The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Why don't you hold your Bible and lift it up real high and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same again because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, of God. the word of God. Amen. Amen. We are still talking about the worry-free life. Amen. Amen. And again, we uh, repeated uh, last week, and we just have to mention this, so that when you go home, you don't walk away with an impossible dream uh, uh, of the trouble-free life. Amen. Uh, we said it's the worry-free life and not the problem or the trouble-free life. Amen. Yeah. I said amen. amen. Uh, Jesus said these words. He said, as long as you're in this world you will suffer persecution, or you will have some troubles, you will have some challenges, some opposition uh, come your way. But he went on to say something powerful, but he said, fear not, be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. Amen? So what he means by that is, uh, 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 we may be surrounded by storms of life, but in the midst of all of that, we can still be of good cheer. In the midst of all of that, we can enjoy a peace of God, that surpasses all understanding, a peace that go, goes beyond uh, uh, all of our uh, 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 circumstances. Amen. And uh, so last week we read uh, this scripture in uh, Matthew chapter number 6, uh, verse 25. We read what Jesus had to say about worry. And uh, we also today are going to read what the apostle Peter has to say about worry uh, we are also next week going to read what the Apostle Paul had to say about worry. So just looking at last week again, uh, Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 25, do not worry about anything. Do, do you remember that? Uh, if you read in the New uh, in International Version, the NIV, uh, Jesus said, don't worry about anything. Man, you're going to have to hire someone and pay them a lot of money, including overtime, uh, to help you if you are going to misunderstand this scripture. Amen? The master says, don't worry. Hunt your neighbor and say, do not worry. worry. <laughs> he says, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Do not worry about it. Amen? Uh, Jesus is saying, uh, don't worry about your life. It's not going to benefit you anything. He went on to say that uh, which one of you, by worrying, can add a cubit to his stature? Or which one of you, by worrying, uh, can grow taller? Amen? A cubit to your stature is basically uh, from your elbow to your middle finger. So that's, that's a considerable height to gain. So Jesus is saying, none of us could grow taller uh, this much uh, by worrying. Amen? 
I mean, it would be of, of benefit to, to some of us if we were to grow a little taller. Perhaps you could become an, an actor, you could become a basketball player, or you could, you know, pursue your dream in something. But here's the deal. It's not going to come through worrying. In other words, you're not going to get any value from worrying. So Jesus says, don't worry about it. He says, don't do it. Amen? Don't worry. Be happy. Amen? Just don't do it. How many of you think we should take Jesus seriously about that? How many of you think it's an impossible dream? Jesus is just bluffing. And how many of you think we should take Jesus serious about what he says in his word? And this is what he says. He says, do not worry about it. And for some of you, you think worry is an expression of concern. You know, you worry about, you say, Pastor T, it's okay not to worry about the economy, but I think I should worry about my children. Jesus says, don't do it. In fact, worry is not an expression of, of concern. Worry is a reflection of a lack of faith in who God says he is. Because further down in Matthew 6, Jesus went on to say uh, that uh, uh, if God feeds the birds of the air, uh, he will certainly take care of you. Amen? In fact, he didn't say God. He says your heavenly Father. So he moves God from just being a deity to being in relationship with you. So God is your Father. You have a relationship with him, and God is not an irresponsible Father. God is a responsible father, and he will take care of everything that he is supposed to take care of. So when we worry, it's not a reflection of concern. It's actually a reflection of a lack of faith in God's faithfulness. How many of you know that God is faithful? Uh, what that simply means is what God says he will do, he will do it. So if God says he's going to provide food for you, how many of you know that God is going to bring food for you? Uh, if God says he will bring you clothes to wear, how many of you know that you don't have to worry about what you're going to wear to the wedding? Oh, I thought I was going to get an amen. You know, the, the, first, thing, the first thing they do, uh, the, 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 the superior species of the human, uh, 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 they, they usually worry about the shoes that they're going to wear to the wedding, amen? Well, let me assure you. If Jesus says he's going to provide something for you to wear, that includes your shoes. Amen? You don't have to worry about it. If he says uh, you don't have to worry about a place that you're going to sleep, uh, I would like to take Jesus serious on that offer. And how many of you know that we can take him serious on that offer? So Jesus says, do not worry about it. And some of you may be thinking, well, pastor, if I stop worrying, what am I going to do with my time? He tells us in verse 33. He says, yes, what we should do with our time, we must seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what happens when we do that? All these things, what you eat, what you wear, where you sleep, I might add what you drive. Amen. All these things will be added unto you. God never meant for you and I to chase after things. It's a misnomer when you live a life of chasing after stuff. In fact, the first principle of biblical prosperity is to seek first the kingdom of God. And when you get it twisted, you may not get the right answer. I was saying in the first service, uh, the order of operation when you're doing when you're solving a math problem, uh, back in the day, the acronym was board mass. How many of you remember board mass? It says brackets off, uh, division, multiplication, addition, and... So what if I start with subtraction? 
The answer is wrong. Amen? So if you start with things, you're going to get the wrong answer. You always start with the kingdom. You always seek. When? First. That implies a priority. At the top of your list should be kingdom. It should be God. It should be God's agenda. And when you do that, you will never lack for stuff. Man, I have several testimonies that I could share with you uh, where all I did was just focus on the kingdom and God provided for me. And, And he usually provides from places that you didn't expect. But when you focus on just pursuing the kingdom, when you focus on desiring the kingdom, and when you make the kingdom of God first place in your life, all these things will be added unto you and you will not lack, watch this, any good thing. Let's go to First Peter chapter number 5 and we want to read from verse 6. It is going to be good today. Amen. First Peter chapter number 5 verse 6. Usually when, you know, we come to church, and I've done it before, you know, you hear a sermon, uh, a pastor teaching and preaching a sermon, and while you're sitting there, you usually uh, have, you know, a second thought in your mind that says, man, I know someone (laughs) who needs this sermon. Today, I want to encourage you to take it for yourself. We always know someone who needs a certain sermon, amen? You always know someone, oh man, I know someone who could do well with this sermon. Well, I'm telling you, uh, uh, the reason you're here today is because you need it. Amen. Amen. So I believe God, through the Holy Spirit, is going to minister to you today. And he's already started ministering to you today. And the first decision you are going to make is, I'm going to take Jesus serious on this offer, and I'm going to stop worrying about stuff. I'm going to stop stressing about stuff. I'm going to stop being anxious about my future, amen, uh, because God has already got it covered. Well, Pastor, there's some real things that are going on in my life. That's, those are the things that Jesus is talking about that you should not worry about. Can I get an amen? So it says in 1 Peter 5, from verse 6 to 8, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all you be submissive to one another, and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. How many of you know that it pays to be humble? The Bible says here, God gives grace to the humble. So when you become humble, God is going to bless you uh, with some grace. Can I get an amen? Amen. And it says in verse 6, therefore, someone say therefore, Therefore. humble yourselves, notice uh, 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 no one else has the responsibility to humble you. When it comes to humility, you are going to have to make a decision and willingly uh, 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 commit yourself to this principle of humility. When other people humble you, it's not humility, it's humiliation. Amen? Amen. You're going to have to learn how to humble yourself. It says, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Now, if you're reading in the original King James Bible, as soon as he said that, you would put a semicolon at the end of that verse, verse 6. It ends it with a semicolon. If you're reading in the KJV uh, version of the Bible, he ends it with a semicolon because the, 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 the statement is not finished. He is now getting ready to tell us what this humility looks like. How many of you know that humility does not look like this? Pastor, uh, you know, I, I, I don't wear makeup. I wear ugly clothes. I drive a car from 1923. What are you doing? I'm being humble. No, you're not being humble. What you're doing is you're simply inconveniencing yourself. Hallelujah. 
Hebrew Bible humility looks like this. Verse 7, casting. Someone say casting. How many? All of your cares or all of your worries or all of your anxieties. This is true Bible. You want to find a humble person? Find someone who knows I can't do this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to cast it on God. You want to find pride? Find someone who says, no, God, don't worry, I got this. God is trying to help you. You know, some, sometimes with my little kids, I know this is be over the, above their pay grade, and I'm trying to help them tie their shoes. No, Dad, don't, don't help me, don't help me. And I let them do it a few times, and they realize, you know what, I can't do this. Okay, Daddy, why don't you help me? A humble person realizes before they even attempt. That it's not my responsibility to look after me. It is God's responsibility. So I'm going to humble myself to God, and God is going to exalt me. By exalting, it means God is going to do his job. God gets to do his job when we do our job. Our job is to cast how many? The big ones only? The small ones only? The ones that are not really complicated? The ones that are complicated? No, our job is to cast all of our worries all of our cares on him. Why? Because he cares for us. Man, that's a good promise in God's word. And it's interesting that he didn't say cast all your cares. He says casting. He uses a present continuous tense because this becomes a lifestyle. It's an ongoing action. Man, I wish I could say to you, come next Sunday. We're going to have some oil, and we're going to have some cloth, and we're going to lay hands on you and spray you this oil, and all your problems will evaporate and disappear forever and never to come back again. I wish I could tell that to you, but guess what? I'll be lying to you. The truth of the matter is you're going to have to choose a lifestyle of casting all your cares on him. How, what does that look like? A lifestyle of praying to God. Listen, if you can worry about it, it's a sign that you should pray about it. If, you, if you are thinking about worrying about it, it's a good sign that, you know, people, pastor, how do I come up with a prayer request? If you start worrying about it, that's a good sign for you to pray about it. Praying about it means you're casting it unto God. And God will take care of it. Amen? God never designed you for worry. He never designed your body for anxiety. He never designed your body for stress. We learned last week that South Africa spends about 20 billion every year on worry-related issues. From absenteeism to work, to uh, pills, to go to sleep. You know, people go and get a prescription to go to sleep, a prescription to stay asleep, a prescription to, stay, to get up in the morning, and a prescription to stay up. A prescription to keep a good meal down yeah. from pores that have developed over the years from worrying about stuff that God said you should never worry about. You should give it over to me. In fact, God uses this word, casting. He didn't say, hand it over. Because God doesn't want you to uh, 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 handle worry with care. The word casting means to forcefully thrust away from you. Here's what casting looks like. You throw it away from you. How many of you know that casting is not fishing? 
when you cast it to God, you should not have another line connected to You know when you go fishing? You throw the bait into the water, but there's still a line and a connection uh, connected between you and the bait. And, and whenever there's some activity, you know, you can bring back uh, the bait to check what's on the other side of the bait. And most Christians don't realize that casting means you don't have a line connected to it. You know, most people throw it to God, but they still maintain a fishing line. And when someone calls them and tells them uh, some piece of information that may be related to the thing that they cast on God, they want to bring it back to take a look and see what's been happening with this worry. Hallelujah. Uh, You know, just to check what God has done with it so far. No, God didn't say fish. He said cast. And how do you know you've completely cast it when you stop thinking about it? When you start thanking God for the solution. How many of you know that you'll never get any value, benefit, solution, whatever, from worrying? There's casting. How many? All? 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 Is that an impossible dream? No, it's not. It would be unkind for the word of God to ask us to do something that's impossible in nature. No, no, no. This is well within your your reach. This is well within your ability to cast all your cares on him. And he will care for you. The Old Testament counterpart of this verse says, cast it on him and he will sustain you. The only way God can sustain you is when you don't have so much worry wearing, wearing you down. In fact, Jesus said in the last days, Worry will overcharge people's hearts. Worry, have you ever driven an old car? I'm talking about very old, old, old cars. You know, the ones with the carburetor. You know, the old cars with the carburetor and the little thing in the, going on. The ones where you really have to pay attention to the temperature. When the thing overcharges, those of you who have driven old, broken down cars know when the thing overcharges and it overheats, something is about to break. And when it breaks, it's going to start mixing oil and water. And you know the best thing for you to do is to just throw that thing in the junkyard. And Jesus says, do not let the worries of life overcharge your heart. And if there's something that can break your heart, if there's something that can steal the word of God from your your, your heart, it's worrying. Amen? It chokes the word. It chokes the promises of God. Now, you ought to stop worrying. There's no benefit and no value in it. Can I get an amen? So he says we should cast all these cares on God because God cares for us. And watch what he says in verse 8. Man, this is good. I'm preaching to myself right now. He says in verse 8, be sober. Someone say, be sober. Tell your neighbor, tell your neighbor, be sober. You're going to have to be sober. This is an instruction. He says, be sober. Did you see that? And he's not talking about drinking beer either. It's deeper than that. If you look up the word sober in the uh, American uh, Heritage Dictionary, it means to be void of speculative imagination. So in dealing with worry, he says be void of any speculative imagination. Because 90% upwards of the things people worry about are just speculation. They never happen anyway. Some of you think I'm lying. Let's go to Genesis, chapter number 37. Genesis, chapter number 37. 
We're going to read the story of Joseph. How many of you remember Joseph in the Word of God? Uh, Joseph was the dreamer. You remember the story? He had a dream, and uh, he saw his brothers bowing down to him. And uh, because of that dream, uh, they were mad at him. They were angry with Joseph. So they decided they were going to get rid of Joseph. So they took him uh, into a, an open field. And uh, Reuben, you know, they were going to kill him. And Reuben decided, you know what, guys, let's not kill Joseph. Let's just uh, throw him into a pit, and he will just die of starvation in the pit. So they threw him in the pit. And uh, a few moments later, uh, Judah saw the Ishmaelites coming and passing by. And he said, you know what, let's not leave him here in the, in the, in the pit. Let's just bring him out and sell him and, and get some money for Joseph. So they pulled him out and then they sold Joseph. And they took off his uh, coat of many colors that his father had given him, his favorite coat. And uh, they sold him to the Ishmaelites and he went uh, and became a slave in Potiphar's house. You remember the story? So Joseph went from the pit and he went to... Potiphar's house as a slave, uh, he started staying in Potiphar's house, eating Potiphar's food and just working for Potiphar. And uh, he got promoted in that. We know that story. But here's what they did. Uh, verse 31, they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the, goat, uh, the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, this have we found Know now whether it be thy son's coat or not. And he knew it and said, it is my son's coat. And then this is when speculative imagination kicks in. We know what happened to Joseph, right? Joseph didn't die. What happened to Joseph? He was sold to the Ishmaelites and he went and became a slave in Potiphar's house. So at this moment while we are reading this, uh, Joseph was alive and well. But this is what happened to his father's imagination. The father began to say, I know what happened. An evil beast devoured him. He was killed by a lion. Stomped by an elephant. Eaten by a crocodile. I know what happened to Joseph. No, nothing happened to Joseph. It's just now your own imagination that's tormenting you. Well, what's, what's the acronym? Fear. What's the acronym for fear? False evidence appearing real. Did the father have Joseph's coat? Yes, he did. Was there some blood on the coat? Yes, there was. But was that Joseph's blood? No, it wasn't. So it's false evidence appearing real. And here's what it did. It caused Joseph, Jacob, to rent his clothes and put a sackcloth upon his loins and mourned his son for many days. I mean, it affected his emotions. If it affected how he, he looked at life. Watch what else happened. Verse 35. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted. And said, for I will go down into the grave unto my son's mourning. Thus his father wept for him. So from the day that Joseph saw this false evidence appearing real to the day that he was, you know, uh, uh, reconciled with Joseph... Uh, he moaned something that wasn't even real. Something that was just from a pigment of his speculative imagination. Some of you, all you need is a, for, uh, is a, is a diagnosis from the doctor. That just says, you know, this is what you got. And you will do the rest to kill yourself. 
Some of you, all you need is that SMS. You know, you're just minding your own business and you decided to go and buy a lollipop at the service station because it's a hot day today. And as you bought the lollipop, there was an SMS that came and it told you that you bought the lollipop for 22 rand, but your balance is. <laughs> That's all you needed. And when you got that message that said your balance is, you did the rest. Oh, look at this. Oh, Shanda Mashegir. Oh, man, I'm not going to make it this month. Man, I'm, you start doing all the other speculation by yourself. Joseph was not dead. There was false evidence appearing real. And here's what the scripture says. It says there is no fear in love, in the love of God. That's what he's talking about. Because fear has torment. Man, fear will torment you. And sometimes this fear is coming because people refuse to be sober. Deal with the truth. People refuse to be void of speculative imaginations. All they need is the enemy to just present with them and something, just a hint, just a hint of something that's not even real, just a, 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 a coat of many colors with a little bit of blood sprinkled. It's not even human blood, it's goat blood, and they will do the rest. And here's the sad part. You never get any change for any time that you spend through worrying. You would imagine when Jacob was then reconciled with his son Joseph later on in the uh, uh, further chapters of the scriptures, you would imagine that he got all of the time that he wasted worrying back as change. After all, it wasn't even real, so we have to deposit all these many years, 37 years that you spend worrying about your son being dead and moaning about your son being dead. You're gonna, no, you're not going to get any change. That's why the Bible says we ought to redeem time. Why? Because the days are evil. What we should do is maximize good use of our time. And good use of your time is to meditate on God's word and not speculate on what might be. Thank you, Jesus. That we can be sober. Thank you, Lord. That we can be vigilant. What that means is every thought that comes to you, you need to be vigilant to check it out. See if it's the truth. And all Jacob could have done was to ask God, Lord, is it true that Joseph is dead? What do you think God would have said to him? No, he's not. He's alive and well. And you're going to be reconciled. Thank you, Jesus. From today onwards, I'm going to have a party. It's the same thing with you. All you have to do is, is it true, Lord? Is it true that I'm not going to make it? Is it true that there is this relationship is doomed and it's no? Is it true, Lord, that, that, that this sickness is unto death? Is it true? And if God says, no, it's not, you know what we do? We start throwing a party from that day onwards, even, even if we don't have Joseph. You know why? Because we know we are just dealing with false evidence appearing real. It's not the truth. Not the end of the story. Now, you need to protect. You need to guard your heart with how much? All diligence. Why? Because out of it are the what? The issues of life. Man, you need to protect your, the pigment of your imagination. Only imagine the good stuff. Amen? I said amen. So he says be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, your enemy, the devil, is a roaring lion... 
goes about to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. So the enemy cannot devour everybody, but he's looking for an opportunity to someone who will entertain a glimpse of his negative, false information. I think the year was 2016. And uh, the president decided he was going to put a finance minister for the weekend. And then the experts started giving out what that meant. And part of the information they gave us was, because of what the president has done, here's what's going to happen. What's going to happen is the round is going to escalate all the way to 30 by November of that year. And I remember sitting there thinking, oh, Lord, because I had an overseas trip coming up. I remember thinking, oh, Lord, this is going to be interesting. How am I going to pay for a cup of coffee for 20 pounds? Because how many of you know that when the rand is 30, it's no longer 20 pounds. It's now 600 rand. Thank you, Jesus. Now you need, now you need to cast. Now, you, you know, you, you thought you could take care of a 600, a cup of coffee. Amen? And the enemy started working on my imagination and using speculation on my imagination. And I read this scripture and reminded myself, you know what? I don't have to speculate on what is... And what the experts say, because guess what? Now we're standing on the other side of the horizon in the 2019, and the round is still on 15. We're still doing good. Amen? Amen. What, am I, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is the things that we worry about most of the time is just false evidence appearing real. And we need to go with what's real. And what's real is God's word. Can I get an amen? And I'm telling you. You need to go with his word. And when you go with his word, there's no fear in God's word. Thank you, Jesus. 2018, Designer Life. We're getting ready to have a conference, Designer Life, in 2018. And uh, we didn't have a speaker. Uh, uh, and the month was July. And I'd just gotten back from my overseas trip. And now we were praying for a speaker. And I called one of my friends, Marcus Week. And, uh, and I said to him, man, we're looking for someone who can come and teach the word and just uh, give the word no gimmicks, no motivations, just the word, just a steady diet of the word because that's where transformation is. And he said to me, I know exactly who you should get. I said, who? He says, there's this uh, friend of mine called Kali Teradez, and I think you should get it. So my wife and I did our research, and we liked what we saw, and we were going to get Kali to come and uh, do the, the, the design of life and be one of our speakers and one of our ministers. And how many of you know that it takes money to bring someone in to be a speaker? And uh, so we sat down and we did the math and we, uh, it fit the budget. You know, we realized that this fits the budget. You know, we can bring Kali and she can minister. And so we got uh, Ashley's number. Ashley is Kali's husband to call him and to just confirm everything and to get them to come out. By the way, Kali and Ashley have a TV a show on Faith Network on TV, on DSTV, uh, Channel 341. Uh, 7.30 a.m. every single uh, weekday. Man, you should check it out. It's awesome. It's powerful. Yeah. Just so much word content in there. It will bless you. Amen? Amen? And so we decided we were going to call him. And uh, my wife got on the phone and we were on our kitchen table. I remember vividly. And so she called uh, Ashley and she said, Hey, Ashley, this is uh, Chifo and, uh, from Faith Hill Church and would love to get Kali to come and be one of our speakers for the Women's Conference, Design a Life. And uh, uh, Ashley was like, oh, no, that's good, man. We will uh, uh, make sure that she comes and uh, would love to be a part of it. Uh, but there's just one uh, uh, thing you must consider. And she said, what's that thing? He said, we usually travel together. 
So the original budget had Kali coming out to design a life alone. And the request was, we usually travel together. So my wife is on the phone. She looked at me. She said, you're the pastor. What do I say? On the... And the Holy Spirit said for me to say, yeah, they can come, both of them. And I said, yeah, we can get both of them. And she said, well, you can come, both of you. And the minute I finished saying that, I kid you not, I started getting sweaty on my palms. Man, I could literally see water flowing on my palms. My back was wet. I was like, oh, Jesus, where are we going to get this money? And I went to sleep, and I was like, Lord, I need a witty invention, a creative idea of how we can do this. And the Lord gave me one. He said, well, you can It wasn't the Lord. It was me. It wasn't the Lord. It was me. I, you know, I just, you know, it was me. I had a creative idea. And my idea was, here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring them over. But if they have to go through half the world to get here, that's what we're going to do for cheap. If we have to fly them through Iran, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Rwanda, Zimbabwe, Botswana, and South Africa for 100 US dollars, that's what we're going to do. So I woke up smiling. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, we can get both of you in. And I kid you not, in the same week or two days, uh, I got an email from the uh, uh, PA and said, hey, listen, actually, you don't have to book the ticket there. We will book it over here, and all you have to do is reimburse us. Oh. Man, my entire plan went into the garbage trap. And now I'm standing there thinking, how are we going to get these people? And so they bought their tickets, and uh, it turned out we had to reimburse them 3000 U.S. dollars. It's not 3,000 U.S. dollars times 15. It's about 45,000 rand. That's a lot of money, okay? And uh, I'm thinking, Lord, where is this money going to come from? My wife kept saying, man, you gotta be, you got to trust God. God is your father. He said we should bring it. God will pay for it. How many of you know that if God gives you a vision, he also provides the provision? Amen? Amen. One thing I've learned in my ministry is that uh, uh, one of the things you, you, you need to do is to find out what God's ideas uh, they are, and when you get onto a God idea, it already comes pre-packed, pre-loaded with God's provision and God's power. But when you do your own thing, man, you're going to need a lot of fasting and prayer and all kinds of crazy gimmicks to pay for it. But if it's God, God pays for it. Because God is not a cheap date. Amen? God doesn't invite you. Man, I need to tell you this. God does not invite you to his party and ask you to pay for it. I know it happens. You know, it happens out here. It's the first time I ever seen anything like that was in Johannesburg. I don't know if it happens anywhere else in the world. People will have a birthday party, pick a restaurant, somewhere in Santon, seven-star restaurant. I didn't have a say in the restaurant that you picked. All I get is the invite that says we're going to eat at this restaurant in Santon, and it's all on you. Wait a minute. It's not my birthday. I didn't pick the restaurant. We could have had this birthday party at Shisanyama. We could have done it at, man, I have better ideas. But anyway, that's what people do, and they want you to pay for the bill. Now, when God invites you to his party, he takes care of the bill. In fact, the apostle Paul uses 
uh, 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 he uses a, 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 an analogy of a soldier enlisting into the army. There's not a single soldier that buys their own uniform. There's not a single soldier that buys their own bed. Not a single soldier that buys their own gun. You don't buy your own shoes. All you do is show up. And that's what happens when you get onto God's program. All you do is show up. And when you show up, God will take care of the rest. So my wife said to me, you're going to have to believe God. You're going to have to trust God because God is our source and God provides. So they came. We had an incredible conference, preached the word. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at all the channels and all the several ways that I know God to provide. I'm looking at channel A to see if there's provision. No provision. I'm looking at channel B. No provision. I'm looking at channel C, no provision. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I don't think this thing is going to be provided for. Because I just looked at channel A, there's not. Have you ever sat down and, and, and do the math and you still get to the same destination? You know, one plus one plus one equals three. And then, okay, let's switch it up. Two plus one equals three. And then, okay, let's switch it up. Three plus zero equals Okay, let's switch it up three times one. I think we may get somewhere. And you still get three. And you're sitting there thinking, man, what is going on? I thought, Lord, you are the one who told me to do this. Where is the provision? And to top it off, see, God is always going to ask you to do something crazy. To top it off, God said to me and the leadership team, we should bless them with all the offerings for the entire weekend of that conference. And true story, during that conference, Maria came to uh, uh, me when I was sitting in the green room, and she said, Pastor T, you won't believe this. This is the biggest offering we've ever received, ever, as Faith Hill Church. And I said, I don't even want to know the number. The Lord said we should give it to Kali and Ashley. Because <laughs> guess what? If I had known the number, I probably would have said, you know what? This is the Lord answering. <laughs> and just switch it on the Lord. Amen? No, I, I don't even want to know the number. Just give it to the rightful people. Amen? And then a day came when they were to depart and go back home. And they got to the airport and their flight was delayed. And when their flight was delayed, I knew it. I said, you know what? I missed it. I didn't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Not only are we behind 45K later, now the guests are being delayed to go back home. I think I missed it. And then they were put in a hotel and the day after, they got on the flight and they went back home. Thank you, Jesus. And I kid you not, as they landed, uh, Ashley pick up, picks up the phone. He calls me on my phone and I answer the phone. Hey, bro, how's it going? He said, hey, Tafari, you won't believe what just happened. I said, what happened? He says, I just, just, just got off the phone with Delta and they said they're going to give us back all the money that we used to purchase the flights to come uh, to South Africa and back. And he said this to me. He said, as soon as that money hits our account... Uh, I'm going to send it over to you guys because you are the ones who paid for the ticket. And I said to him, no, do you mean they're going to reimburse you the return leg? Because that's the one that they delayed you. He said, no, they're going to reimburse us the entire ticket. Now, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, that money coming from Delta was neither a part of my first channel, second channel, and third channel. And here's the good news. Where my third channel ran out, God created another channel. Amen. 
Sometimes in your mind, you have an exact way of how you want God to provide for you, but God wants to blow your mind. Amen? When human effort run out, that's where God starts. A week later, that money came, hit their account, and they sent it over to us. And man, I'm telling you, when that money hit, hit our account, we tried to do the math to find out how much we had spent in bringing them in and out. And the answer was nil. Better known as zero. Better known as free. We didn't pay a single penny. All we paid with was to obey and listen. Man, I'm telling you, God will take care of you when you start learning how to trust him. Amen. Amen? God will literally take care of you when you start learning how to trust him. Let's read one more scripture and then we'll be out of here. Is that all right? In fact, can we read two? James 5 from verse, uh, verse 13. James chapter number 5, verse 13. Thank you, Jesus. Is this helping you? He says, is any among you afflicted, let him do what? Pray. Is any merry, let him do what? Sing psalms. Now, let's read the same verse, if you don't mind, engineer, in the NIV. James 5.13. Oh, it's Mandy. In the, in the NIV, if you don't mind. He says, is anyone among you in trouble? Anybody ever been in trouble? He tells you what to do. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let him call their friend and tell them all about it. Is that what he's saying? Is anyone in trouble? Let him go to the bank and get a loan. Is anyone in trouble? Let them go shopping for therapy. I may get into trouble. See, what I'm doing is I'm knocking all those things that we go to when we are in trouble. He says, is anyone in trouble? Let him what? You know what that looks like? What that prayer sounds like? Lord, I'm in trouble. Amen. And God knows what to do. He doesn't, you don't need theology to pray this prayer. Call on the Lord. Lord, I mean, because how would I have prayed for the fourth channel? I didn't even know it existed. So when it's beyond what I understand, what do I do? Lord, you take over from here. And I stop worrying about it. Is anyone in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. And this is a good Bible verse. Now watch, 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 watch another one as we close. And we're going to read all the other ones next week. It's going to be awesome. John 14, verse 27. In the New King James Bible. Is this helping you? Someone say no worry here. Someone say no fear. Someone say no anxiety. Amen. The Bible says in Psalms 127, one of my absolute favorite scriptures in the Bible. Psalm 127, verse 2. Here's what it says. It says it's vain to rise up early. What it means is it's vain to lose sleep and start thinking about it. Because guess what? You ain't going to get any solution. It says it's also vain to stay up late at night. 
And then he goes on to say, it's vain to eat the bread of sorrows. He didn't say it's vain to eat bread. He says it's vain when you have to eat bread, but it comes through sorrow. And oh, 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 oh. it's bread, but oh, oh, oh. the way it came, man, it's just, woo. But you know what he says at the end of that verse? He says, but God gives to his beloved sleep. Man, God has a promise for us for sleep. And I hold on to this promise. My wife will tell you. I need a record 15 minutes from the time that my head hits the pillow to the time that I'm in La La Land. All the way in. Man, when I sleep, I go in. Take away my sorrows, take away my pain, I want to go. Do what? Yeah, I go, I go to La La Land. I just go to La La Land, man. All the sorrows, all the pain. Listen, we're not promising you a problem-free life, but we're promising you a peaceful life in the midst of the problem. You can go to sleep, you can rest. Enjoy a good night's sleep. And you don't have to have stuff wake you up in the wee hours of the night. You don't have to have nightmares. You don't have to have all kinds of, you know, permutations, speculative permutations going on in your mind of how things are not going to work out for you and so on and so forth. And some of you have become masters at this, and I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm trying to help you. Some of you, when you start speculating, you do it in HD. You can even put characters in there. You can put... Some of you put characters that we haven't even seen in real life yet. You just wake up and I get phone calls. Pastor, then I saw this creature running after me. I saw it, Pastor. I saw it vividly. What are you doing seeing all kinds of craziness? Instead of I saw myself winning. I saw this creature came and it was sucking my blood, Pastor. <laughs> sucking, sucking everything. He was this creature. I saw it, Pastor. What are you doing? And you put it in HD. Some of you think it's spiritual. No, it's not. It's just dumb. When it's time to sleep, it's time to sleep. Okay, all right, okay, all right, okay, okay. Moving right along. It says, peace, I live with you. Someone say, I have this peace. It's been left with me. It says, my peace I give to you. Not as the world do, do I give let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In the New Living Translation, watch what it says. I'm leaving you a gift. I am leaving you with a gift. In the NIV, in the NLT, please. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind. Someone say, I receive peace of mind. Peace of heart. Someone say, I receive peace of heart. And Jesus went on to say, this peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. You can't get this kind of peace from experts. You can't get it from the newspaper. For nothing against newspaper, for nothing against the news, but you're not going to get it. That's not the source of this peace. It does not come from the world. You see that? The world cannot give it. Even if they try, you can't get it from appeal. You 
can't. It just doesn't come that way. So don't be troubled or afraid. What you should do is cast. How many? That's what Peter said. You should cast. It's a word picture. Man, I need you, whenever troubles come into your way, into your life, I need you to have this vivid picture in your mind of you picking it up and just cast it, just throw it onto God. Come on, shout, I'm a caster. That's what you are. What do I do for a living? I cast all my cares. In fact, I like to use uh, those uh, uh, random uh, careers when I'm around people. And I just show up and, and, you know, what do you do for, for a living? I cast all my cares. That's what I do. I'm a caster. I cast all my cares. I remember the one time I was flying uh, to the U.S. and I sat next to this woman. And I thought, this one, I'm going to be okay. And she said, you know, what do you do for a living? I said, man, I, I, I'm an exorcist. Some of you don't know what an exorcist is. It's a person who casts out devils. She says, I'm an exorcist. Really? I said, yeah. She said, well, I have a cousin. How much is it going to cost me to? I said, no. She said, where did you get the powers to become an exorcist? I said, every believer is an exorcist. She says, how come? I said, the Bible says, believers shall cast out devils. So what qualifies you to be an exorcist is being a believer. And when you are a believer, you've already been given the power and the authority to tell devils, Puma, in Jesus' name. Casting all your cares. I cast all my cares. What do you do for a living? I cast all of my cares. Because he cares for me. A lot of people think I don't have problems because I'm always happy. In fact, my name is Tafari. It means happy. I'm always happy, man. I always, because I found out through scripture that all I need to be happy is to be in God's presence. There's in the presence of the Lord, there's what? A fullness. Not, not half full or half empty. You know, the extra... Uh, 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 optimists and the pessimists, you know, half thing. No, no, no. He says in the presence of the Lord there is fullness of, of joy. And that his right hands are pleasure, not troubles, pleasures forevermore. But guess what? I take full advantage of being a child of God, of being in God's presence when I show up at the office. Hey, how's everyone doing this morning? Hey, you're always happy. What's wrong with you? Nothing wrong with me. I'm always in the presence of the Lord. Amen. In fact, when I travel overseas, you ask me, what's your name? Tafara. What does that mean? Happiness. I wonder why you are always happy. You not have problems? Oh, tons of them. But guess what? We found out that we're not, we're not going to get to a place where we don't have problems. So I may as well take full advantage of happiness when... Right now. Amen. Then you can find joy in every situation. And the enemy does not want you to. He doesn't want you to enjoy the life that Jesus came to pay for. He said, I came that you might have what? Life and have it all more abundant. He said in 1 Timothy 6, charge them who are rich in this world not to be high-minded or to put their trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, for it is God who richly gives us all things to do what? To enjoy. God richly gives us all things so that we may enjoy them. Amen. I mean, I said it as a joke last week, but some of you, you 
really been believing God for a nice car and a good car. And when you got that car, you thought you were going to get joy from that car. You're not going to get joy from that car. But what you should do is enjoy the car. Some of you can't even enjoy the car because now you're worrying about petrol. Lord Jesus, please bless me with a five-cylinder engine. I like speed. And when the Lord blesses you, now you're worrying about petrol. But the truth of the matter is, it's not the external that's making you live a life of worry. It's what's on the inside. Can I get an amen? Brothers and sisters, God has called us to a life of peace. A life of freedom. A life of joy in the Lord. Amen? He's called us to enjoy every single day of our lives and God does not want you to postpone this job. Some of you, when you were young, told yourself, I'm going to have joy the day that I graduate college. You went to college and you're about to graduate, you told yourself, I'm only going to have joy and happiness the day that I get my job, my own job, and I'm able to buy Nando's for myself. From that day, I'm going to have joy. You got your job. Now you can afford Nando's, and you've still postponed it. You know, I got my job. I can get Nando's, but I'm, I'm only going to have joy the day that I get married. Oh. And all the married people say, hey. On this side. Some of you, you know what? I'm only going to have peace and I'm only going to have joy the day that I have children. And when them little rascals came, they don't even give, give you a moment to yourself. I mean, I see it with my wife. They follow her everywhere. She goes to the bathroom, they are there with her. She's like, Can you leave me alone? <laughs> Some of you said, you know what? I'm only going to have joy when these kids move out. And now they've moved out. Say, man, I'm only going to have joy when they visit for Christmas. And then one day you're going to wake up and we're celebrating your 91st birthday. And you never leave any of your life. You've been waiting for a long time. That's not God's will for you. Someone shout, I will have joy. Today, I'm flying, Jay. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.